Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Paycheck to Profit podcast. Today, we're going to meet and hear from Luke Abbott. He is a very well-known and highly respected partner in the CBG industry. I don't want to get into all the details because I want him to speak to it himself, but this guy has accomplished so much in his career. He continues to grow both his businesses and his personal life into something just really fantastic. And I'm just really excited to have you hear more about his story. So without further ado, Luke, welcome to the show. Robert, I am thoroughly, thoroughly ecstatic to be here. Thank you for having me today. Of course. Yeah. I love our conversations. You know, I think that's um, a funny thing, you know, people should know is that like, we've, we've had plenty of meetings, but we, mm -hmm. and we do it based on our current roles, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I work at New Seasons. I'm in the grocery industry. Yep. You're also in CPG on the other side of the table. And so, you know, when we, when we meet, we talk about all those things, but we also go into so many other things, life and, and finances. So um, I'm excited to see where this goes, but, you know, why don't we start off with a little bit of history about yourself and, you know, go, take us out, you know, like what started everything for you? <laughs> you know, I, I've had a lot of starts throughout my life and, <laughs> and <laughs> excuse me, I think the, um, um, I started, I was an entrepreneur from a young age, um, probably from like nine years old, um, selling radios nice. that I'd buy that this, you know, to swap me and clean them up and bring them out and, um, and worked for family business. And so that, that was my start it was like, I, I think I truly believe Robert, that people who start working when they're younger, they develop a hunger, um, and, and to, to work, to show up, to be all in. And I'm grateful grateful I had the opportunity to work from a very young age. And I think that, that the start was really this idea of, of not being an employee so much from the beginning was, and it actually yeah. helped me be a better employee, but I had to be an employee <laughs> because, I, <laughs> because I didn't, I never had the, what I call like the employee mentality, right? Like I, I was never clock watching. I was always all in. I was part of a company, even if I didn't own it, it felt like it was like part of you know, I, I, that, that, that was something I was all, it was like, if I'm doing it. I'm all in on it is, is I think what it created. Um, but career wise, right. as I think you were kind of aiming at in your question, um, my first real job was working for a company called Monterey provision when I was uh, 21 years old. And I fully did not intend to do that for long. I was going to college at night. I was passing the CPA exam and thought that I would, um, oh, work, really? at a, work at a firm, right? I and, didn't know that. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that that would have been my future and it was my dream. And, um, but I really don't have the personality for accounting. So that was not, <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> but, uh, after working at this company 11 years, I, I had, because I think truly crediting back to like not having this employee mentality, but more like, even though I was an employee for 11 years, I was, I was, um, just all in. And whenever they asked me to do something, I was just like, yes. Sure. Um, yeah. it, it gave me opportunities that others didn't want to do. And, and, and that put me in a position to, to buy this company, uh, Monterey provision when I was in my, my early thirties. And, you know, wow. and, and part of that too, Robert, it, like I, I have to give, I have to give, um, plaudits to, um, to Rhonda, um, the, I think it was Rhonda Byrne, I think it was her name, the author of The Secret. Um, oh. Reading this book called The Secret changed my life um, before I bought the company. And it was something where I always, because kind of a man of faith, it's probably my parents' faith, and it really wasn't internal, but it was this idea of the law of attraction is like to believe you received even before you received. 
And so mm-hmm. the company was about ready to be sold to a to a um, to Tony's Fine Foods, which is which was eventually bought by UNFI, sure. and yeah. all cash offer. And all I had was a hundred thousand dollars I could scrape together. And remember the owner, the, the founder being like, you're, you're seriously are going to like, you want me to not take the all cash offer and sell you the company? And I'm like, I, you will do this. <laughs> and so, how, did, how did you yeah. sell that? Yeah, that was a, that was a really hard thing to do because he was just like, he was very focused on this is his life's work, right? He had sacrificed marriages, his relationship with his kids and, and, you know, this was everything, but I, I, the selling of it was really just this idea of carrying on the legacy. Right. And when you, if you right. sell to Tony's, you're not, your name, the Monterey provision will not be on, on the wall. It's going to be this, that name will be forgotten. And, yep. you know, trust me to, to take this forward, to be something so much more than even what you thought it could ever be. And that, 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 those conversations, the fact of how I showed up for so many years, um, I think, uh, eventually convinced him though it was. A little bit of a struggle, Robert. We were the day yeah. he was supposed to sign the papers. He was leaving for Hawaii the next day, and so we we get to the end of the block at the end of where Monterey was located, yeah. and he turned left, and I went right to go downtown to meet with, meet with his attorney. And I, I called him on his cell phone. I'm like, why did you go left? He goes, I'm hungry. I need to go get samples from Costco from the different sample booths. <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't have time for this. He's like, well, I have a haircut in an hour and a half, and I'm I'm like, well, we get down here. So he got down there. His lawyer's like, are you ready to do the documents? He's like, nope. Um, and he says, I have a haircut. I got to get to. And I'm going to oh, Hawaii man. tomorrow. And lawyer's like, I'm not comfortable. He's like, no, I'm signing the papers. And he signed it. And then he went and got his haircut and flew to Hawaii and sold me 100% of the company, a $30 million food distributor at the time for $100,000 in cash. So I was like, wow, that's crazy. And Whoa. Crazy. So so it was just straight up 100000 no financing or anything okay, so, so he carried he carried back the paper for a lot more money oh, okay. but i had to pay okay. for that out of the profits of the company gotcha. out of the cash flow of the company okay and and so that had a seven-year payout i had he forced me in which is totally good i did i had to sign a long-term lease on a on a warehouse that was way too small and inadequate and i that was always kind of this albatross because i had to keep that even as we scaled across the country i had this gotcha. like 14 foot high ceilings and you know <laughs> 5,000 foot you know square foot freezer here 2,000 square foot you know it was just a mess so yeah. it was but it, what an opportunity it changed however there's like these moments in life and I wonder if you've had them too it's like where like your whole life the destiny that like you, you see it it's like wow this this is this is mind-blowing amazing change to my life I grew up poor and and always worked so so hard for every little penny and then to be in this position to having a platform that was already thirty million dollars. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, right. this is pretty cool." Yeah, no, that's that's definitely life changing. I I can't imagine what you must have been feeling at that time, like when you're, what do you say, like uh, in your thirties, right? Like so, mm-hmm. young thirties, and you scrape together, like you said, a hundred grand, and mm-hmm. be able to buy this multi million dollar company. It's amazing. But it was time blank. It's also by not by accident. I mean, nope. you you talked about the book Secret, but that aside, I mean, you already said it, like you put so much work into it, mm-hmm. you get you went all in. So mm-hmm. yep. the fact that you were doing that showed and I knew when you when I asked the question, like, how did that happen? Like, you have a cash offer from Tony's versus the employee that's been there forever. Yeah. And I knew you were going there. But uh, I wanted to hear you say it too, is that you did all that work, you put in the effort, and you're going to carry on that legacy versus Tony's is just mm-hmm. going to wash, wash away the mm-hmm. the brand and it's just going to be absorbed. So that's it. 
it's a great opportunity and it wouldn't have happened if you didn't have that mindset early on that you needed to just be all in and treat it as your own company because mm -hmm. it, honestly it actually it ended up being your own company <laughs> <laughs> right right i remember my dad a few years in like when are you gonna get a real job at a real company and then i'm just like oh, just i don't know i i like it here i i, yeah. I feel like i belong and i don't i don't know where to lead i have no <laughs> clue but I, I have a feeling it'll be good and thank yeah. god it was yeah yeah that's awesome and then so you ran that for a while and mm -hmm. what, what was the trajectory years. of that that was a crazy trajectory. <laughs> I, I bought it and for the founder, it had been a lifestyle business. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a lifestyle business. And I was mm -hmm. down um, with my wife at the time down in Costa Rica. We were down there for I don't know, a couple of weeks and thought, hey, we can run the business wherever we are in the world. And uh, I remember being in Italy doing that too. And in Costa Rica, oh, nice. we get a call and basically Sprouts is like, hey, Transformers Market was a growing account, but not, not the biggest at that time for us. And like, hey, if you want to continue servicing us, you need to grow across the country. We can't have you be regional anymore, just Southern mm. California and in Arizona. And then in that same, that same trip, we get a call from one of my employees that, that she had a couple, a six-month-old and three-year-old foster child that she couldn't keep anymore. And um, she said, hey, could you take them? So I'm like, okay, let's take, the, let's take the foster children and let's commit to Sprouts. And that was like it wasn't lifestyle business anymore. <laughs> it was like, it was a race. It was a race across the country. Um, and you know, this, I feel like I need to share this, Robert. I did not have, I didn't seek out people to help me and I should have, cause I made so many mistakes. I thought mm -hmm. I could figure this out and building is very different to go from, you know, Southern California and, and Phoenix to like all the way out to Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, yeah, it was really crazy. So we, we, and then the other problem too, is when I bought the company, I, I got a line of credit from a bank and that was in 2008 when I bought the business, but I remember 2008, there was the implosion of banking. Sure. By early 2009, I get a meeting with my banker saying, hey, you, like your debt to equity is 14 to one because you, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, this isn't going to work. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And um, so I started a, a whole, a whole series of, um, I don't know, me trying to raise capital. We didn't actually raise from investors until the last two of the eight years. Oh, but okay. um, we only had one investor that ever came in, but it was, um, I was constantly racing to raise money all the time. Um, the minute I'd raise, we were growing so fast. We were going from 30 million to 300 million over an eight year period. We, we were, wow. and, and you can, you can actually grow a food distribution company just borrowing a, like an ABL asset-based lending line. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but, but, um, but we were growing too fast. We were growing some years, 50%, and we were out running um, cash the entire time. So it was a very, wow. very stressful. I've, cash is everything. <laughs> it's the lifeblood of, your, of, of, of being able to, your existence on this, on this earth and this society and, and running a business. Without it, you're dead, right? So it's, yeah. it was really, really a hard time, and I had to grow a lot through that. Yeah, totally. And so just thinking through, I mean, the numbers are astounding you know when you think about it from 30 million to 300 million and um i think like you said it's stressful and i remember i don't know if it was on your podcast or if it was a linkedin post but i i know i saw or heard um something about your story about your lifestyle at that time was was kind of damaging in a way mm, yeah um, like yeah. it was it wasn't good and like i'm hearing it as you're talking about it you know like you're you're always racing you're oh you know you're stressed mm -hmm. you're working long hours is what it sounds like mm 
Um, yes. Can you, you want to care to get into what yeah. that really entails, like running a business like that and yeah. operating it hands yeah. on? Yeah. I'd say first off, I've been through a lot of transformation in the last few years and, and that is, you know, I had to, we, I think we all have to work through our childhood, whether it was good or bad, right? We'd work through it. And I was, I had things were haunting me. And I think the way I was re resolving that, so the all in at work, was probably excessive. And, and so I, I was running all the time, checking every box, uh, traveling incessantly, especially toward the end of my eight years at, at Monterey. Um, and especially when I went to Kehi, but even more, it was, it was um, running all the time. Um, but it was, you know, hosting, I, I had a lot of fun and the fun related to what I was doing at work. And oftentimes I'd go come home and I wouldn't be much left of me. Right. There was just like, I need to sleep and recover when I, when I was home. So I feel like I didn't show up as I, as I could have for my family or for myself during that, during that time period. Um, you know, I really don't drink much and don't think I've ever had a drinking problem, but definitely like in the food industry, there's so much of it is around, you know, dinners and yeah. wine. And, um, so just, not 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 healthy and eventually that that did catch up to me i got, had got a disease called meniere's that um has caused me to lose my mm. hearing my left ear for many years caused dizziness nausea and just a very very difficult situation so it was like i, I paid the i paid a price but right. in a lot of different ways um but it was it was definitely i learned so much like i had to go through that to become the person i am today and i'm grateful for all that and sure. it was also a very difficult time yeah yeah, I was actually going to ask, you know, looking back on it, do you think that you would follow the same path? Like if, if <laughs> no, you... Knowing what I know now, I'm, no. no. <laughs> do you think that, I mean, do you have any regrets from what you've done? No, now? no, no right. regrets. I, yeah. I, an example of that is my 28-year-old uh, Tommy, who's um, blessed us with a, a beautiful granddaughter and another grandson on the way. And, uh, you know, he's... I've I was talking to him maybe a few years ago about like growing up and he's like, dad, I was always watching you. Like you, you probably, you were busy a lot. And I, but when you were on the phone around me and I was hearing how you spoke to people and how you showed up and because I always was, I was always listening and learning about how like I wanted to be There's some, some things that he didn't want to repeat and the much that he yeah. did. Right. And, and, and took from it. And, um, and I just realized that this whole thing that, that, um, there's this, I think there's this ideal we try to strive for as parents or spouses, whatever it is. And that we don't, we, that we shouldn't have struggle, right. Is maybe some of the, the premise around that. And what I've learned is that it's the struggle that, 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 that is actually maybe the purpose of us being here, right. It's how we grow. Yeah. It's how we realize what we're capable of. And, and so, yeah, my choices brought struggle, like to my 27 year old, 28 year old, right. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but he also grew a lot through that. And, he now has his own business. He's able to work from anywhere in the world and, and That's awesome. in an amazing relationship with an amazing wife. And I go, okay, like I get it. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have to be quote unquote perfect. In fact, probably this was the perfect. And in fact, in, and I believe it, this is all destiny and all meant to be this way. So, right. um, yeah. so the, the exercise of trying to say, well, would I do it differently? Well, yeah, with every, with, if I knew everything I knew now, I'd probably change it, but I'd probably screw it all up, right? So, <laughs> so probably it happened the way it was supposed to. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, there's a couple of sayings out there. Like one is, um, life happens for you, not to you. Mm -hmm. um, I really love yeah, that. And I, I think, that. you know, in, in your son's case too, I think that shows um, how strong and, and responsible he is, you know, 
understanding that he was catching all of that information and he could have looked at it one of two ways. Yep. He went the yep. right way, you know, where he took yep. it and made it positive outcome versus going the other way. Like, you know, it could have, it really comes down to your personal mindset. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It reminds me of thinking grow rich, right? I think that talks yeah. a lot about that. You have the choice. We yep. always have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And another one actually that I really like, which I, I think people should know is um, if you haven't heard it, it's your children are really like, it, it's, it's what they observe. It's not what you try to teach them by what mm-hmm. you say. Yep. So the saying I think is it's caught, not taught. And yeah. so when you really think about that, your actions are going to speak and resonate with your kid way more than what you try to lecture them or say to them or whatever. So yeah. the way you're acting every day is going to make a huge difference and impact into how they grow up. I, I agree. Yeah. I look at it and go, Hey, my 28 year olds, I also have a 24, a 14 year old and a seven year old. And I go, okay, if he came out this good, I'm like, yeah. okay, so this will be the test, right? Like may, maybe having more struggle actually d- does work better. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm much more evolved now as a parent. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, like you said, but, uh, a lot of people that are very, uh, successful in business and life, they had struggles when they grew up. And mm-hmm. so it's that adversity that really pushes them. I think that, you know, and it's one of the things I struggle with too. I don't know if you have this too, but like, mm-hmm. obviously as a parent, you want to give the best life to your kid. Mm-hmm. And yes. then there lies the problem, Robert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, we're kind of going through that right now. And, you know, some of the things that I'm, my wife and I are working on with our, with our daughter and, you know, like it's too easy right now. Mm-hmm. And she needs, you know, she needs mm-hmm. to have a little bit of struggle and needs to understand that challenges are going to come up and things like that. So we're, we're looking at ways that we can push her mm-hmm. beyond and outside of her comfort zone right now. That's beautiful. Yeah. It brings up a, a story. My, the investor that ended up investing in Monterey in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, he wrote me this check that I really needed at that point. And, He's like, you know what? God told me to give you this money because you may never be able to return it to me. I mean, I get any return, you know, return or anything from it, but I feel like this is carrying this out because God said to, and a really good guy. And I remember him sharing about, because he, he grew up somewhat wealthy and created a tremendous amount of more wealth. And he's so grateful for his dad who took them when they were, I think maybe in middle school age, um, to Papua New Guinea, PNG, and just lived there, took mom. The, the, the boys, three boys, I think it was, and they just lived in Papua New Guinea for a year because he wanted his kids to be grounded. And, yeah. and what a gift because, it, it, you know, each of these these boys, these brothers um, are just the most kind of people in the world. I think that's the challenge, right? And it's like, how do we help? How do we provide for what our, what our children need while also um, grounding them in ways that help them to be amazing human beings and to be equipped for this world to, to really realize their potential? Because you can't realize your potential if you can't overcome struggle. Absolutely. Man, that's well said. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, God, we could talk about this, this kind of stuff all, mm-hmm. all day long. I think mindset has really, like you said, you've been going through some personal growth over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Same with me. I think, you know, we probably picked up a lot of the same kind of um, mindset uh, tricks or like read some of the books that, yep. you know, kind of helped us become different people. Um, I don't know what, like, just out of curiosity, what's your favorite mindset 
book or like personal growth book that you could recommend? Hmm. Personal growth book that I recommend. It's a great question. I'm thinking through, you know, I, I'm constantly reading books and I, and I, in my mind, they get, they get completed. So I, I don't know if I have a, a good one to recommend. Um, for me, my personal growth has been a lot more in terms of hiring a, a really good life coach. Oh, okay. Um, that, that was absolutely core for me. And I spent a lot of money on that and, yeah. and wasn't always easy, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, um, but that, that, that was really it. I, I've, I probably have read 300 books, 400 books, right. In the last 10, 15 years. Um, but, but having someone who is with me on the journey every single week, challenging me, not letting me get away with anything, right. Like, it's like fooling myself has been the number one thing that I've done. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And then in terms of mindset recently, I'd say, you know, 10, 10 X is easier than two X is absolutely yeah. the most life-changing book I've read. And I'm reading it a second time right now. Nice. That one's on my list for sure. I heard um, the author, I can't remember his name, but he was on the Ed and Milet podcast and was talking okay. through it. And yeah, it's definitely on my list. And mm -hmm. I, I reference a lot of just the little tidbits that I heard from him speaking about it. I, I mm -hmm. kind of come back to that right now as I'm building up my like side business and real estate and this, yep. and, you know, so I, I look at things in a different lens now because of that. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, even just hearing it has caused me, right. But then like really digging into the details and, yeah. and one of it is, it's like, there's like, if you think about hundred percent of what I'm, what I'm doing, 20% of it really probably is in my genius and creates the most value. And that the, the trick of 10 Xing is really this idea of continuing to focus on the 20% and like eschewing the 80% and then do that again. Then again, just do the twenty percent and eighty. And if you do that iteratively, you're sure. able to ten x. And so I'm constantly thinking: Is this part of the twenty or part of the eighty? And yeah. if it's part of the eighty, yeah. it's like I have a team. Like I like let's. Or if I don't have a team member for that, let's add somebody. Um, right. And that that's we've been this year since reading that book three or four months ago the first time. It, it just really have started to implement this, and I'm already seeing the results in my business. And it's it's like so like reinforcing as you get going. It's like a flywheel. You get it started and then once yeah. it's yeah. going. So that's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that um just going back really quick, but I like that uh you recognize, you know, the books weren't really what helped change your life because you didn't have the your accountability, right? And mm -hmm. so a life coach and having that person in your life, you know, not everybody's gonna be able to spend a bunch of money on a life coach coach yeah. or maybe to that level you know they might right. be able to do something but the key is i think just having somebody in your life that can support you and mm -hmm. be be strict when it needs to be right like yeah i yeah what what's the hardest moment you've had with your life coach as far as like you know with maybe some tension between you because you want to do something and he's he or she isn't saying <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah i think um Again, I talked, I spoke earlier about some of the challenges I had growing up and working through things. And one of it was the people that I chose to be my life partner um, in terms of I've been married twice. I'm married a third time soon. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it, it was something where I really struggled with the idea of being divorced a second time. And I'd been married first time, like nine years, second time, 19 years. And oh, wow. I just yeah, strong commitment that I did not want to get divorced ever again. And but yet it was causing me to stay in a situation that 
that was extremely unfortunate for everybody. And it just was so damaging and, you know, for, for all of us. And I wasn't able to affect change within the context of the relationship. And it was really that challenging of like, you know, hey, you've tried everything, right? You, you, yeah. you, at some point you set boundaries and it's time for you to, to kind of move on, right? And and so um, that was hard to make that decision to um, to divorce. It was my decision to make. It was his to challenge and help me to see what I wasn't seeing. Um, it was a hard one because I, for me, it was between my God and me was like, like this was a commitment, a solemn oath that I, that I made. That would be the first right. time married. I, I was not a believer in God. At least I don't think I was. And then second time, hey, I was a believer in God. And then it was really, rec- I had to reconcile that with like with God and say, hey, this is something that I, I know you hate divorce. And I know this is not where you sure. want me to go. Um, it, is not, it would not be where you want. And at some point, are you okay with the fact that I put 18 years or 19 years into this and just, you know, just still ended up in a really difficult situation. And I got to peace with that. But in my, yeah. um, my coach was really good. And the one thing he said that, that got me originally was, um, you don't deserve this. And, and I was mm. like, I remember just crying. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, okay. Like I just, I was just going to carry it out. Um, you know, till the end. And then it was just like, okay, like this is, this is beyond what is reasonable, um, for both of us. And so, you know, she's a good, great person, you know, and she's doing a lot of work. I've done a lot of work, but we're just not meant to be together. And that, and that was a huge, huge thing. And so that, that took that decision and, and caused me to reevaluate religion and my relationship with God and my relationship with myself. And, and then led me on a really fun journey that that's gotten me to where I am today. And I'm Robert, I'm, I can't tell you how happy and and just centered and connected to myself, connected to God that I am today compared to any other time in my life. It just it's a true blessing. Yeah. That's a that's really, really happy. To, I'm really happy to hear that. And honestly, I see it, you know, the in your posts, um, both on LinkedIn, like professionally, I see the joy that you have when you talk about what you do, this podcast that you're doing mm-hmm. and connecting with people. And then uh, on your personal side, like on Instagram, I, you know, I see the joy that you have with you and your family and Sasha. And so mm-hmm. um, really happy for you. Like truly, thank you. you. Know, I think it's, it's a great thing, you know, doesn't matter what age you are, you know, you can, you can figure <laughs> no, things out. Right. You can, you can. And that, that was hard too. Like my age and what's going on. And, and I would just say that, um, but I, but I've learned and I wrote about this, I think not too long ago, but it's like, I, I was really not being courageous in my personal life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And, and with my show with myself, my God, my family, you know, close friends. And so it's okay, right? Fear, there's no courage if there is no fear. And, and for me, it's been really like my big focus, Robert has really been focusing on, on how do you, how do I deal with fear? How, what's yeah. my relationship? What is fear? What does it mean? How do I not have it just be riddling me? Like it was, I was so controlled by fear my whole life. And now I am, I would say free from the bondage, but it was a self-created bondage. It wasn't fear. <laughs> I did this to myself. So Yeah. How did you, how did you come to that realization or handle, um, actually attacking fear versus fearing it? Yeah. Okay. And it's, and maybe it's not even attacking, right? It's about having a relationship with it and to, to be more clear. Um, there's a book called fear by a Vietnamese monk and I forget his name. It's a very difficult thing to say, (laughs) but I, I read the, read the book and it had already captured some things I'd already been learning in different ways. Like the four agreements is another book, um, that I had read and 
it was just this idea of like you know fear fear is this, is an is a messenger and and when we deny that messenger from being able to speak to us it's going to get us get our attention some other way it's going to cause health challenges mm-hmm. you're going to feel dry your body you're you're going to have weight you're going to seek to numb out you're going to try to do, and I was doing all these things <laughs> and it's like so it, it had this very simple meditation which is simply um to to um close your eyes and you welcome you welcome fear you invite fear you feel the fear for me i feel it in my chest i invite the fear to come in and to hear the message and i literally smile my face i smile at the fear and i welcome the fear i'm like fear what is your message for me and some of it's going to be i i call it um my life coach calls calls it the um the risk manager and so there's this risk manager Mm -hmm. part like this is given to us by god to keep us safe so we don't die right and it's like hey i'm worried about fear I'm worried about A, B, C, D. I have a chance in a mindful way, well, I'm smiling at this fear, not being in abject, you know, more fear or fear of the fear, like listening to what it says and then having a conversation with it um, and then allowing that fear to pass. The energy passes through. And I never understood this because I thought that it was a lack of faith. I thought a lack of faith was fear because how could you have fear if you believed in God, right? Sure. You believe that your soul is good, then what is there to fear? And then what I realized is that God gave us fear as a messenger. <laughs> and it's like, and I was just not listening to the messenger. And, and so again, this is my relationship with God changing too, is like, no, no, no. Like, like this is all a gift. It's, it's just here to, to, to make you aware of things. And I still have volition to choose what I want to do about it. Right. And, and so now I, I literally journal every morning and there's a part in there about fear, like what's coming up for me. And I, I'll create space for it. I write about it. I listen to it. I move forward. And now I'm, I'm, so it's courageous because the fear is there, but then I can go, nope, I'm still going to go do this. Or maybe I won't do it because fear, maybe you'd had a good point there. Yeah. 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 I love that. And um, I love that, you know, you're journaling, but calling that out specifically. So yeah. And yeah, maybe uh, tacking isn't the right word, but you're addressing it and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you bring it to the forefront. Yeah. yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. That's all I, that's all I'm asked to do is listen to the messenger. I yeah. don't have to do what the messenger says, right? But I can right. listen to the messenger. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's, it sounds so simple, right? And it's like, wh- why was this, why did this take me until I'm 50 years old to figure out, right? I'm like, what a, what a waste. <laughs> but it, again, this is the journey I was supposed to be on. Right. And then supposed to right. share about it. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing it. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, jumping back to business and yeah, totally. all of that. So you had Monterey provisioned and then you ran it for, I think you, did you say eight years? Eight years? Mm-hmm. Nice. And what happened after that eight years? So after the eight years, Sprouts had become a very large customer. They, I had grown into <laughs> other retailers like Lucky's um, out of Boulder area and then into Henry's, but then Sprouts bought them too. So oh, I had wow. this, I had this challenge about running the growth of Sprouts. They were just in the space. No one was growing faster. And so as we're adding on other chains, like, you know, Bristol Farms, and Lazy Acres and uh, Fresh Time, um, you know, our friends at Sprouts kept on growing. So there came a point when, um, I'll always remember this, um, I, I had no contract with, um, with, with Sprouts. It was all like a handshake. Oh, really? Deal. And so it was hundreds of millions oh, of dollars wow. a year of revenue. And, and <laughs> I remember being with the president of the company in, at Cial in Paris. And he's just like, you know, we're a public company now. And, you know, the board's really focused on this markup and that, that this large distributor has. And, and mm. your markup isn't, is much higher. I'm <laughs> like double. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but I don't, I don't have all the same. I don't, 
I, I make money on selling product, not on buying product. And that's how I've always operated. And it was a good lesson, right? Like I should have changed. Um, the way that Kahin Unify operate actually is market. And, and I failed to I failed to understand that the market had shifted, that it wasn't they weren't just playing in grocery anymore. They were playing in the fresh perimeter where I played. And because I didn't learn right. how to train the vendors to to help me make money on the buy side so I can give a lower markup, um, I had to sell my company. And so it was a it was a good a great lesson um, about like, man, I have a massive blind spot. And I think I'm doing the right thing because it's right. Well, so what? There's there's yeah. that, there's there's this thing called market, and, <laughs> and and I wasn't really aware of it. So I sold the Kahi, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how you know a lot of a lot, a lot of time to reflect um, when I was working there for the two years I was there about okay, this is what I did. This is how I could have done this better. Um, and I also just you know loved being part of the Kahi team. It's an amazing company. It's an ESOP, B Corp, um, really amazing people, and. Yep. You know, I just really, really enjoyed that that time. I think you might know Brandon Barnholt, who was the CEO that did the deal with me and okay. uh, at Kahi at the time, and and just just loved that. And then and then left there and went to Jimbo's naturally as president there for a while, and then landed here at Driven. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a crazy eight years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All that growth. unbelievable, unbelievable, and, and yes. what a great partnership to have with Sprouts. They were especially amazing, especially during that time. Yeah, when oh yeah, just that growth and the um, acquisitions. I didn't know that they were buying those different companies, but mm. makes sense. How do you can add store count so quick? Yep. Um, yep. And yeah, just to be along with them for that ride, and also the fact that it was on a handshake. Yes. <laughs> little crazy to think about like i'm sure you think about it now you're like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my bank at the time was like you don't have a contract i'm like no but it'd be very hard for them just to fire us tomorrow because <laughs> right we do right. a lot so it's like and that that that's the thing right like that's also a lesson too in a way like it's great to have contracts but at the end of the day like i had to earn it and we did earn it and yeah. so we we deserve to be there until yeah. until the market has shifted right yeah <laughs> yeah then then it's, no, we didn't uh, deserve to be there to anymore. That's kind of shift. And guess what? Like, if I had had a long term contract and they were just unhappy, they could have found a way to get out of it, right? That's the thing with the contract. So, yeah. the, the thing is, they didn't have to. They had right. no. They had no. You like, didn't give compelling them reason. reason, but they did the right thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And do you mind me asking? Uh, so you purchase it for a hundred thousand cash <laughs> plus. Plus, use, you know, some on yeah. the back end. Um, yeah. Do you mind me asking what the sales price was? Um, I cannot share that because it's okay. under uh, NDA. But, okay. um, gotcha. but it was it was a little bit more. Ask. <laughs> it was a little bit more. I would yeah. I would say this that that um, it wasn't like private jet money, and that that's you know that right. there was a lesson to me too in terms of of like wealth creation and like this distribution is probably the wrong place to create. A tremendous amount of wealth too. Like you, for every dollar we sell, you're doing fantastic if you're making three to four cents. Right. And so, yeah. and in our case, with the fast growth, we also had kind of a lot of debt to be able to handle that, and so that had to be paid off as part of the exit as well. So, it was, sure. Yep. So for me, it was like holding on for dear life, and was super grateful that we had a successful exit that you know paid off all the debt and left me in a good place. So awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy how little money you make in grocery. Well, <laughs> yes, yes. 
as a percentage as, as a percentage, percentage. right right yes. 300 million dollars like well, that's a massive company i'm like yeah the bottom line right is not that massive so yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for us with our crazy fast growth and what we were taking on yeah so uh go from monterey did you how long was it between monterey and what you're doing now with v driven got it so yeah so i left um i left kehi on december 31st of 2017 and then worked at Jimbo's um, 2018 and then oh, that's right. really yeah. early 2019 is when I started um, V-Driven and that originally was like, hey, this could be a kind of a holdover until I find a different position or role. Um, so I was investing in plant-based food companies, which were really all the rage at the time and then also doing some consulting and then that ended up um, growing. So, Yeah. Yeah. So can you share what it is that you're doing exactly with V-Driven now. I know, like yeah. you said, at the time it was plant-based but mm -hmm. and consulting, but it's a little bit different strategy mm -hmm. now, probably because you it, understand market. <laughs> yes, it is, it is, right? Yeah, right, understand market. Good, very good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it was really fun at the beginning. It was, I was working with like keto, keto and plant-based. So both of those have had some struggles as of late, but um, yeah, so originally it was that and it was just me. And, and then I started realizing it was like, this is like the ultimate of changing, of, of exchanging hours for dollars. And mm. so I was like working from 5 a.m. until midnight and I'm like, okay. And then Ooh. submitting, submitting like a Whole Foods category view. And I'm like, this doesn't even make sense for me to be doing this. So I just started growing the team and, and that was, that was the key. So first we set up a um, Philippine corporation. We have dozens of people in the Philippines and then we have the U.S. based team and just started surrounding myself with people who are really good at things that, that I did not enjoy doing, but that were really important. So that's um, been a lot of growth. And so today we have about 45 to 50, um, that area of, of team members. We have about 60, 70 brands we work with and we help in four different, I think five different areas. Um, and the, again, none, none of this was a vision, Robert. This is the other thing I learned too, is I always thought you'd have to have a vision and this clear view. And it's like, no, I just saw a problem. And it's like deductions were a major issue. Emerging brands, mid-sized brands today that work with us too, have a really hard time getting their arms around like what's going on with all these deductions, which is right. all part of this market. This is the market, yeah. right? <laughs> and so we have a team that all they do and they love to do is this dig through all the deductions and look for like, help categorize them. But then we also find that like eight to 12% of deductions coming through are in some way erroneous. And it's just not because mm. the, the distributors want to steal from you. It's just that it's just that it's um, so complex and so hard. <laughs> so right. um, we help there. We have a team that does uh, accounting um, for companies probably up to about eight, $10 million. After that point, you should have your own controller in general um, or, or accounting team. Um, and that just was in response to what I saw other companies charging in the space for accounting services. It was just out of reach um, and just outrageous in my mind. So I'm like, we can do so much more inexpensive. I'm not looking to get rich off of deductions and sure. and, and CPG accounting. It's just more like this is, we can earn a fair margin and help out the industry. Um, two key areas that I'm personally involved in, one is, um, one is, uh, doing consulting work. I just did one before this meeting today uh, with, with you where we go for three hours, we do a deep dive on a brand. Um, we do like purpose, vision, values, and dig into a SWOT analysis. But then from that, we tease out um, really what, what we call OKRs or objectives and key results, kind of goal setting. Um, yeah, and that's that's um, a really powerful tool we have that we do with emerging to mid-sized brands. 
And then we do sales and brand management. And I think where I was meeting you in your office and coming up to visit you in Portland um, is representing our brands into the key 70 um, natural and specialty retailers in the U.S., which um, obviously where you work is part of that. We made the 70. You made the 70. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Luke's list. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, and, it, and it's, it's been... It's been really fun. We started off focusing on focusing on focusing on four thousand um, uh, stores or chains, and now we focus on just seventy. So just the seventy key ones, and try to build deep relationships and you know, build lots of personal connections, and, and be seen as this group that's helping retailers differentiate by bringing these really cool, you know, first to market kind of opportunities uh, into the market. And we also work with mid-sized brands as well with some key retailers, but um, we, the main part of what we operate in is kind of that emerging space. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, you just were talking about the, the new and inno innovative things that you're doing. And I just saw, I don't know if you posted it yesterday, but I saw it yesterday on LinkedIn about your Sprouts pitch slide. Yeah. Yep. So that's exciting. You want to share a little bit about that for everybody? Sure. Yeah. So we've been partnered with the, from the beginning of the innovation team a couple of years ago at Sprouts, we've been really involved with helping to bring products to market with them and um, just truly honored that we um, talked, all talked about this idea of how to get more emerging brands and opportunity at Sprouts and, and agreed on doing this pitch slam that V-Driven is, and a number of our partners are, are working together to raise awareness of and in the market right now. And we've already had, I think we posted about it yesterday. I think we've had uh, 30 submissions so far and looking oh, wow. forward to going through those and just part of that heart for, for helping, you know, younger brands get a leg up. Right. And so there's no, there's no cost to participate. It's just um, us trying to, trying to help and be a part of the community. And so is it, yes, we're helping brands. We're also helping sprouts and I look forward to expanding this to, to other retailers um, across the country. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, we also create unique opportunities. We we often, um, all, all the shows, we put together dinners and breakfasts or, or an emerging brand who would probably never get FaceTime um, oh, with, cool. with the retailers able to to um, to have an intimate experience of connecting. And, and we're, we're pretty, um, we have fun at our dinners and we also make sure that there's space for people to, to become known um, to each other at these events. It's not just like balkanized into like different groups at a, at a table. We really get the group to fully connect together. Yeah. So um, we, have a, we have a lot of fun. So we're always looking for ways to um, to be unique and innovative um, and to create value. I, I think I look at it as like a lot of the, um, it's called brokers out there are really thinking about how do I get a product on a shelf? And it's, that's, that's what it's about. And, and for me, it's really about, um, it's really about creating value, yes, for the brands that hire us, but it's also for the retailer. Like I want the retailer to feel like, yeah. wow, like I, I'm excited that, that, you know, that, you know, Sasha up and be driven or Emily from be driven or Brandon from be driven are coming in and, and, um, that, that's what we're really aiming to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. A partnership in every business, but it, you know, in in the CPG industry is just so important and understanding that you can trust the people that you're working with and you, like you said, I mean, getting the product on the shelf is one thing, but mm. do you trust them to help? accelerate the the growth and can and be sustainable versus just a one and done in six yeah. to nine months or 12 that, months that's exactly that's exactly it and so what we we say what we do at be driven on kind of the sales front is that we're, we're just hypothesis testers yeah. right <laughs> like ideally we work with very humble 
yep. founders and leaders who don't necessarily know that they've got it all figured out. We're going to people like you, Robert, and getting feedback and we're creating a feedback loop and that allows them to show up better so that once you do get on shelf, we're able to actually sell. And then once we're on shelf selling that we're testing out different promotional strategies, if it's a bar, maybe it's two for five, two for four, two for six, what drives the biggest emotional lift, but it drives the biggest most emotional lift, like really bringing a lot of almost like a scientific method to it, right? And yeah. um, which also includes a lot of feedback. Yeah, thanks. So I kind of want to dig into something you said earlier. Mm -hmm. um, about trading your time for money hours for dollars yes yes hours for dollars i love that mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know why i haven't heard of that before but i'm gonna start using i used to be now. i used to be in uh, amway when i was 17 and 18 uh -oh. and so that they always talked about they listen to these tapes from your upline and they always talked about hours for dollars and don't do that sell amway <laughs> oh didn't, wow didn't yeah work that's out funny for me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well you got the saying and i'm gonna steal it so. okay <laughs> um so you were doing hours for dollars at the beginning you started hiring out but at some point um just with your growth and like personally financially mm. with everything going on are you doing anything outside of your businesses to create mm. a financial stream do you have any passive income yeah good good Great question. So in terms of that, um, not a lot. So much of what I've done has been very concentrated in what I in what I do in my industry. I okay. have a, we have over 10 investments that are in the in in the kind of emerging brand space. Oh, okay. No clear no clear view of exits out of that. And I'm not sure, sure that, that was those were wise investments or not. I mean I don't know, whatever. I, it's almost like when the money that was given to me at Monterey is like, God told me to do this. It's like, yeah, God told me to, to do this and let's see where it ends up. And I think there's two of them that probably will have really nice exits in the next five years. And so that would be, that would be great. There's no, there's no passive today income coming in, but definitely sure. could be a nice exit. And then yeah, having, I've dabbled in, in property and, um, it was interesting, Robert. I remember two years ago, I was staying at the Hotel Del Coronado and we had this condo that we'd held forever. We paid it off and so there was no leverage and we're just getting this like rent and it was not much, $1,500 a month. And I was just like, that, that, that weekend just sitting there like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. There's no leverage here. I'm not like, like and this money doesn't even mean that much, right? To us at this point, like it's nice. It's really nice, but it's not, it's not that meaningful. It's like, hey, what if we, and at that time, the Hotel Del Coronado was, um, was building a, their final kind of like um, condos that you could actually buy on that property here in San oh, okay. Diego. And so we, yeah. I said, okay, let's do this. And so we, we sold that condo, we invested it in there. And so we took, I think it was maybe 1.5 million was, this, was the purchase price. And we put 400,000 down um, from the sale of that other property. And then we were, and then that, what was nice is we had locked that property in a year in advance. So oh, it actually okay. had increased in value by a million in that year of just not even Whoa. owning it. So it was like the minute we put on the 400,000, we made a million. So that was nice. But it was like, that's it, not bad. No, the cha only challenge right now is that it was the model, every model we did, um, which was we had a number of friends who also bought at the same time. Um, showed that it would be cash flow positive day one, even with having you know a mortgage on it, um, and it has not been. So that's oh been, really? So it's been. But, it, but the, and I look at it and I go, okay, well, it isn't that bad because I'm you know I had to put in a few thousand a few thousand extra every month, but I'm but I'm buying this you know this asset that's now worth two point five million dollars instead of one point five. Sure. It's not a big deal, you right? And eventually, 
property in California is always going to turn out okay, especially like right at the beach. So yeah, yeah so yeah. so I, I would say um, that's that's an ideally that will be passive income in the future, and ideally there'll be a nice exit out of that. But um, that's something I want to do more of in the future. Yeah. So really quick on the on the property, are you doing a long term rental? Like, is it a long term? Yeah. Tenant? So it's really interesting because it, it actually falls under the um, reservation system for the Hotel El Coronado. Oh, and so it's under okay. Hilton. So it's, so Hilton actually is handles all the bookings. That's and, why you're not making cash flow. <laughs> right. And there, but there's no other, but the way it's set up, there's no other way to do it because they, oh, okay. they take more money from you if you don't use them. Um, but okay. yeah, the hard part there is that there's another, other condos built like 20 years before where those owners, you know, they never had negative cash flow. It always worked out for them. We just yeah. had, I think our timing wasn't great with kind of like the end of the, of the kind of the COVID travel kind of like slowed down yeah. inflation was going up and we so i think there's this, this there's this challenge going on and then also like they built a new convention center like attached on to where this place is so it's, it's oh, going okay. to be it's going to be okay but sure. it's just yeah. really it's just really like hmm, this isn't quite what i thought and it's a good lesson right like i i did like um sensitivity analysis to my whole projections and i'm like hey even if like the worst case like we'll yeah. break even <laughs> <I'm> yeah. like, <laughs> damn i was I was wrong. So and then that thing <laughs> came up again, that market thing. Yeah, the market thing, <laughs> the darn market. So yeah. I, I don't know, Robert. So I, I think there's definitely this thing about diversification, but I have not been the most diversified guy in my whole life, and it seemed like it's worked out okay. Sure. Um, right? It hasn't. Definitely, there's there's higher risk because I'm you know not as diversified, but I've also been just very all in in what I do, and so that yeah. you know and typically yeah. it's worked out. So. Um, but I could see in the future, I could see in the future doing more in property. And I think you and I spoke at lunch um, a number of months ago, but I didn't even know what you were doing. I didn't know what you did. I had no idea right. what you did in your spare time. And you blew me away. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. And, you know, as we, as we have um, more cash available to invest, that's definitely something I would, would I want to look at. I think what you're doing makes so much sense and feels so, especially the way you're doing it. Um, I don't know if you shared it much with the audience yet, but it's, it's, it's in a way that, that really feels like it's, the, the risk is mitigated as much as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you said, as much as you can be, there's always mm -hmm. risk. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, we actually, you know, our team has been a little bit slow, but we actually just closed on a property today that we signed the documents and the money Woo! over. And yes. so really exciting to get that out there. And, and it's pretty cool. We're, we're converting apartment units into condos actually. So funny that you were talking about your condo uh earlier but yep you know and in portland i don't necessarily want to be a long-term mm -hmm. landlord and so that was you know the appeal to me was that it's going to be a one to year and a half time where we're converting these and i won't be a landlord we're going to sell the units off so yeah that was really appealing to me and that is going to be it's still so here's the thing like it's not passive income right it's still active we're working yep. on it and yep. you know that is the end goal and you know why i brought it up is that you know how do we create these other streams of income that can be more passive and right. for me this is just a like my certain situation it's just a stepping stone because yep. at the back end of this when it does sell we'll have a bigger chunk of money that we get on the back end from yep. the equity that we built and the work that we put in. And then that will then be a tool to go and use and create a passive income stream. Beautiful. So 
like it's all part of the plan. You know, this is just mm-hmm. one step of it, but you know, I love that you're thinking about it. You know, that conversation that we had at lunch, I remember mm-hmm. it. And, yep. you know, we, we started talking about syndication and yep. I think, I think we started talking about 401ks as well and yep. like self-directed yep. 401k versus. That's, I have one of those. Yep. You do. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. Highly recommended. And um, yeah, I think I've used it to do some investments in, in, like actually almost like a syndicated property development like you've done. And, and, um, that was good. And it actually does give me a very little bit of passive income every month. And I'm like, that's really cool. The ability to be able to write a check to whoever I want, whenever I want, there's like, yeah. there's, there's two sides of that. Like one is I can get like really excited about something yeah. and, and who knows if it's <laughs> the right thing to do. Um, but it's, but it's also amazing to be able to have that freedom. And I use a company called Entrust. um, it houses it and it's not very expensive um, in terms of what they do. And um, it's been, it's been a good, it's been great to have that freedom. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't, what I don't have is I really don't have any investments in stocks and bonds or anything. So everything yeah. is like in these, uh, in these non-traditional investments or like in my property investment or in my company. Um, so I, I, I'm curious about that, but I think there's a certain point that at which you go, there's a traditional way you go if you're like middle class or middle class, and this is like, you know, this is your path, right? And right. And, and then there's different paths you take as as wealth continues to grow, which can be equally as valid based on where you're at. So I think it's, yeah, you know, it's not yeah. just like, it's not just using the one size fits all approach, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, I think there's, um, that's a really good point, because they're, like you said, you're kind of where you're at in your life, it's going to help dictate kind of like which path you can go down, like what you can go down and, uh, you know, based on how much cash you have, how much extra income or like your risk tolerance on what you can and can't do. But, uh, one of the cool things in that I have seen is that there's something similar to, uh, syndication, but it's like a fractional, you know, like, a it's, it's almost like. I can't remember the name of it now, but you can, you can buy apartment buildings, but not have the minimum investment that you might have as a, you know, $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, depending on what level you're in, right. They can do it at much lower rate. So then it gives that extra entry point for a person that isn't available or able to uh, make that heavy investment at the time. Which is fantastic. Right. And I think that's, you know, I, I'm sure you dug into this when you were young too, but I remember like being like 18 years old and digging into like compounding interest and, and yeah. the power of that. Yeah. Right. And the, the idea of, of like, it can feel so insignificant what you're investing in at the beginning. Right. And, and yet like what can happen to that in 10, 20 years, 30 years is just, is breathtaking. Um, so I think that's something, something to always be aware of in my mind. It's like, um, yeah, it's like, you are where you are. You do the best you can where you are then. And ideally you're, you're moving up in terms of the amount of cash you have to invest. Um, but you have to start somewhere. And it's like, right. I think there's this, we, we look at people, maybe idolize them. That, uh, who like who They have like the mansions and live the, the private jets. And it's like, I just want that. And it's like, no, there was all these, you know, unless they inherited the money, they, there's all these steps right. That, right. They, that they took. And, and I don't know, that's, that comes to mind. Yep. <laughs> well, we're uh, coming up on time, but I wanted to ask my random question. Of oh, the show. great. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so for you, what is the 
what's what's your favorite location that you would like to travel to and like a place that you could can always go to no matter what time or you know like how you're feeling like that's going to be the place that you go to with your family too like yeah so it could be um so the idea of a location for me is I live in Encinitas, San Diego area, and this is actually it. Like earlier today, I was working on the beach. Um, so the, going to the beach and being near the ocean for me is is where it's at. I, I, was, I posted on LinkedIn this morning. I was I was literally there with a Starlink uh, um, uh, dish, like uh-huh. working from the beach. There's a bad reception there, and for me that that's like just being there with the water and. and the, the, with that sea air and everything is so invigorating. Doing that alone, doing that with, with Sasha, my fiance, or doing it with my kids, or all of us, it's like that's that's our special place. Nice, awesome. Yeah. Any last last words of wisdom for the guests? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I as someone who grew up um, extremely poor and and didn't have a lot, it just this life, if you are all in on it, um, and open and willing to take some risk, it is, it is just beyond belief what is possible. The life that I've lived, the places I've traveled, people I've met, um, the groups I've been able to be a part of, um, has just been so mind blowing. And I truly believe that it's, that we all have a destiny and, and it's our job to kind of like allow that destiny to play out and to realize it and to be looking for like the, uh, the hints of where you're supposed to be going. Um, and I'd say like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for, for a much more simple life, <laughs> like, you know, paying the mortgage, stay living in the neighborhood, having the 401k and, and, and doing that. And I think that's a beautiful place. Right. And, and I also think that, um, for me and for what I've chosen, and I, I think for more people than probably realize it, there's another path that can be, that can be truly exciting. And if you think about like, what, what are we doing here in life, Robert? It's like, we got one shot. Like, let's just go all in on it. Let's just see everything that has to offer. I don't think we're going to starve. We're, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> trust in that. Trust in God. Trust in yourself you, and your friends and whatever. You're, you're going to figure it out. But why not, live a, why not live to the fullest, right? Push it to the edge. Love it. Love it. Man, thanks for the conversation. Uh, it's crazy that an hour went by like that. <laughs> really fast. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Robert. That was a fun yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And everybody else, we'll catch you on the next episode.